Hey y'all, this is Corey Wren, proud abolitionist vegan from the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. You can find me at examiner.com, writing as a Roanoke vegan examiner, and you are listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, Let's well. get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Hello and welcome to another fine episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I've heard some positive comments about my peace episode. I was worried it was too off-topic for an animal rights show. I have fun making my little podcast. I encourage others to share their thoughts with shows of their own. You meet some amazing people from around the world. I'd like to say hi to Randy and Adam. I just presume Randy has one. I've bought my way into becoming one of the cool kids with an Apple iPad. It always drives me nuts when a hot new product is not for sale in New Zealand. The international sales date has not even been set. Who knows when we'll have Apple iPads on sale here. My iPad was brought back from Orlando, Florida. Most likely my iPad smuggler went in as a drug mule, came back with my A4-sized and powered precious, and his or her rectum. However it got here, I probably don't want to know. The first rule about importing grey market electronics is you don't ask about importing grey market electronics. I know how Apple is with those who lose an iPhone prototype, Perhaps they are equally as harsh with those who jump the queue and get an iPad before they are allowed. I feel like a modern-day Prometheus, stealing a magic technology from the technology gods, aka America, and bringing it back to the models here in New Zealand. It was a tremendous effort to get an iPad, although, to get my original iPhone from the USA, I did have to sell my soul. I hope I don't get thrown into Gitmo for possession of a device not for sale in my country, I've already noticed how natural it feels to use an iPad, and I'm not the only one. Adam Curry's thought patterns have been hijacked by Multitouch as well. And its trail leads to the White House is exactly what we told you. Wow, I just did something really weird. I tried to use my finger on the screen of my Mac to scroll the page. Whoa, that was strange. Um, thinking it was an iPad. I certainly love my iPad. I think it's going to be a great success worldwide. I can't wait to talk about it on the casual podcast I share with my friend Andrew, The J&A Show. I like to mention new websites I'm told about. I certainly get massive help from people who promote my show, and I like to think I can help other people out too. I really enjoy having my humble podcast, and if anyone else thinks they can rant on for episode after episode, I really hope they decide to try it. I'd love to listen to more vegan shows. If anyone would like to hear me mispronounce their name, please send an email to jaywontdart at gmail.com or leave a comment on my blog. Paul Shiatovish is one such person. I saw that I'd been getting traffic from his blog, which I really appreciate, and I hope I can repay the favour. Paul says, A vegan hello from the central United States to all non-violent people of goodwill, working to live in harmony with our planet and all its inhabitants. Or, you could just shorten that to, Howdy everybody! You can find Paul's website at beingandthestate.blogspot.com I'll link to it in my show notes. 
Thank you, Paul, for linking to my blog. There's been a lot of coverage of duck shooting season. Because ducks are such a terrible thing to see in the countryside, I'm sure everyone listening feels sick to their stomach when they see a family of ducks, with the awful mother leading a formation of ducklings through the water. Yep, ducks are a menace and must be dealt with as public enemy number one. At least the local newspaper coverage would have you believe that. Oh, they have their clever little slogans. Quacker season as licenses run out. Ha, huh, get it? Because ducks sometimes make a noise that sounds like quack. Another had a cartoon duck, wrapped in bandages with a crutch, with the caption, I hate duck shooting season. Yes, it's very funny to laugh at animals who have been shot multiple times, have broken bones and are no doubt in terrible pain. Shot for the crime of being a duck. We also get all the stories of duck shooters who end up hurting their friends, shooting each other in the face and the like. I really don't understand how it's so difficult to keep the end of a gun away from your friend's head, and even if the barrel ended up pointing at another person, to refrain from pulling the damn trigger. Then again, maybe it is difficult. I mean, the vice president of the greatest country in the world, Dick Cheney, ended up shooting someone in the head. And presumably, Cheney was a man who could hover his finger over the big red button that blows up the entire world. Who knows? Perhaps people who get their kicks from killing pretty little animals, duck shooters, are not so smart. The ducks are certainly clever. I think everyone should admire any animal that can walk, or waddle, swim, and fly. I certainly think mother ducks know how to care for their ducklings, perhaps even as well as the legendary mother hen. I was shocked by the description in the Southland Times of one injury to a duck shooter. Quote, One man received a penetrating eye injury. I think that sounds awful. Imagine being shot in the eye. There's no mention if the man's eye is okay or not. I've seen some animal rights advocates who wear t-shirts with slogans such as I love hunting accidents. I don't think it's very funny, and I don't think it's very nice to believe that. I feel sorry for anyone, ducks or people, who get shot. One thing for sure is, the ducks are not the ones with lethal weapons. Back to possibly not-so-intelligent people involved in the slaughter of animals, there was an amazing front-page story about a Southland quote, meat plant, an abattoir. I've heard about the more modern, politically correct terms such as a meat plant, or harvesting animals before, to try and sound all humane about what goes on. The headline of the story is, Amputations at Meatworks Probed. A union claims 12 staff have cut off 13 fingers in 18 months' time. Cripes. Quote, Otago Southland Meat Workers Union Secretary Gary Davis said one of these workers returned to work after losing a finger, was put back on the saws, and lost another finger. The operators of the South Pacific Meats Awarua plant denied there had been so many amputations. What is there to deny? Either these amputations happened, or they didn't. I don't think it's something you could hide, unless the staff were not allowed to mention how they lost their fingers. Oh, um, my missing fingers, yeah, um, I fell over and they snapped right off and fell down a drain. Here's another amazing quote. Claimed the company was using drug test results at the plant as an alibi for the accidents, saying 18 of 20 sawmen had tested positive for cannabis use about six weeks ago. However, 
He understood only one of those workers had cut off a finger while using the bandsaw in the past 18 months. Others who tested positive were not stoned on the job, but had cannabis in their systems from smoking in the days or weeks before, he said. So, of 20 workers using the saws, a whopping 18 had used an illegal drug. That's more than the vast majority. That's practically everyone involved. Apparently the cause of these amputations is that the working speed is too fast and that there is no water on the tables. The water helped the carcasses slide through the saw blade, but the story mentions that dry sawing is now standard as it extends the shelf life of meat. What an awful choice. The workers are cutting off their own fingers because of stress, and they can't lubricate the surface because that shortens the quote, shelf life of a dead animal. Of course I'm not asking for, um, better worker welfare at the slaughterhouse. No matter how drugged up the workers were, I doubt they would be cutting off their own fingers if they were apple picking. When your job is killing and dismembering animals, even if the workers won't admit our similarities, I suppose the equipment sometimes realises that human beings are also made of meat. I found a New Zealand Herald story, Anger Over Bloodstained Burger, quote, Mrs. Yuli was about to bite into her burger when her husband, sitting beside her, noticed what happened to be blood spattered on the inside of the burger's wrapper. It turns out, the quote, chef had given himself a paper cut and had bled on the burger wrapping. Quote, Mrs. Yuli said the incident was disgusting. The first thing I was thinking was AIDS or hepatitis B, she said. It's blood. I was about to throw up. Mr. Yuli said that when he showed the burger to the store's manager, he jumped and said, Oh my God! Blood! She did not believe any other burgers were contaminated. Well, hello, you are eating meat. Did you think animals have diesel in their veins? Like us, cows and chickens have blood. I wouldn't be shocked to discover blood with a burger, although I do find it both disgusting, and I too would consider the item contaminated. I would like to play a clip about the quote, cow cubicle, quote, factory farming systems that are being introduced into New Zealand. I think the clip will stand on its own. Hans Creek of safe features and notice how he admits to not drinking milk, which is seen as shocking, or perhaps that is a lost cause. I've never mentioned Hans speaking about not drinking milk before. I don't remember him ever publicly labelling himself vegan in the media. The animal activists say it's cruel. The Greens call it environmentally unsound. They're talking about the plan put forward to farm 18,000 cows on dairy conversions in the Mackenzie country. And the farmers behind the idea, well, they're angry too. Fed up about what they claim is misinformation spread by the misinformed. They maintain large-scale dairy farms like they're proposing with cows housed indoors for most of the year are the future of New Zealand dairy. So who's right? Who's wrong? Can they actually agree on anything? So we challenged both sides to get together, face to face, right there in the Mackenzie country. Jendi Harper was on hand. Outspoken animal advocate Hans Krieg and co-chief of the Green Party, Russell Norman, have come to a place many call our last frontier. to meet face-to-face -face with farmers, dairy developers, Richard Peacock and Casey Stratton. And there's not a peace pie in sight. 
that you are inevitably going to pollute Lake Benmore. As no, well. that, that's not correct. They're standing basically in their own feces uh, on concrete. This is about making money. You wouldn't be doing this if you weren't planning to make a profit out of it. Have you worked on a oh, dairy it, farm it, before, huh? No, if this was about money, we would be going off and doing something else. Right, and, oh, yeah, uh, and I think... Uh, yeah, but I don't drink milk. You don't drink milk? Um, <laughs> no. It is not good. We own this land. You don't own it. The government doesn't own it. We own it. Are you two ever going to see eye to eye on this? The answer is no, after a day spent with both parties. This country over here. The farmers who see this land, their land, as wasteland that could be made productive land, generating $50 million a year, employing 90 people full time. We would love all of New Zealand to, to share in our dream. I'm not saying that arrogantly at all, because this is an opportunity for all of New Zealand. When you look at the land as it is now, does it appear beautiful to you or not? Yeah, it does. It is beautiful. But it's going to stay beautiful. But it looks different beautiful. Beautiful and green. Yeah, beautiful green. And the Green Brigade, well, they don't want to see any green down here. They want this iconic landscape to stay brown and barren just the way they like it. I mean, you stand here and you just feel like you think of the bigger picture in your life rather than just your small individual life. It's a, it's a fantastic place to come. Last month, these farmers withdrew their effluent applications. Many thought that was it. The fight to farm was over. That's not the case. Right down to those trees and about six kilometres that way. Their plans are still on the table. They're putting their energy now into educating the public that indoor dairying is the way of the future, the only sustainable way forward. Put the animals into a big barn, collect the effluent, put it back evenly so you don't get any urine patches. The farmers brought with them soil scientist Doug Edmeads. Farmer, you have to know about PK and S9 and that little lesson. He thinks indoor dairying will result in cleaner and greener farming. Maybe that's the case. Um, but It's not maybe, it's, well, it is the case. The environmental footprint per cow here and what's proposed is half of that of the environmental footprint of a cow in the, dairy, in the Waikato dairy scene. But to Hans Krieg, keeping cows undercover is despicable, downright unethical. So you could imagine his surprise to find it's already happening. So these are confined like this for 10 months a year yep. already. To find out that we already have dairy cows in New Zealand in shares for 10 months of the year, I think that's appalling. These farmers at Glenavy, south of Timaru, have nothing to do with the Mackenzie proposal. Hans and Russell have come here simply to see inside an indoor operation with all the bells and whistles, back scratches and robotic milking machines. These cows are expressing their normal behaviour. No, they eat no, no. and they sleep. They sleep on mattresses. Sure. Again, the same, the same argument what the pig farmer uses when the sow is in the stall where she can't even move. It's just a natural behaviour. They like to stand no, up and lie you down. You don't want to there answer the question directly. You don't want to say how a happy cow looks because if you would tell me how a happy cow looks like, you would see it in these animals. After a day spent debating... Right, we've got um, black stilts just over here, right, on, and they are at the top level of critically endangered. It's clear there is little common ground. Is this the place you'd pick to trial that system? You won't see starving cows in here. If you look around you, we're not looking at tussock land here. We've got galaxids in that river over there. We're looking at brown top and Horatium. I can tell you right now, Hans, mastitis and lameness is a non-event in here.
the landscape is part of why people come here. Shall we go and have a look? Yeah, let's, let's have, oh, you you have one next <laughs> They could keep on going till the cows come home. The dairy developers have put their case. Their opponents have not been swayed. Great place for a dairy farm, hey? It's like <laughs> growing grapes in the South Pole. I think greens left for themselves would have us rolling up the parcel as we left the country. <laughs> I often talked to farmers, and they had said, Oh no, New Zealand is proud of our pasture-based systems. Having cows on grass, we're the best in the world. We care about our animals. All that seems to be forgotten. Now many claim it's much more humane for the animals to live indoors. They no longer have to walk long distances. Instead they get to stay in a much smaller area, indoors, although not chained in place, and they get pretty little, quote, mattresses to sleep on. I normally only have sad clips to play. I'd like to mention two more upbeat clips. One is unrelated to animal rights from an audiobook, and the other is a modern song. I often listen to audiobooks while I work. I just finished Slaughterhouse-Five. Here's a clip from it I found strange, totally unrelated to animals. There was a picture painted on the door of the refrigerator. The refrigerator had come that way. It was a picture of a gay 90s couple on a bicycle built for two. Billy looked at that picture now, tried to think something about the couple. Nothing came to him. There didn't seem to be anything to think about those two people. I think there's a lot to think about those two people. A quote, gay 90s couple. Hmm, I don't know what century is mentioned. The book was written in 1969. Presumably the 90s mentioned were the 1890s. And I suppose back then, a gay couple were probably a man and a woman who were happy together. In the 1990s, I think a gay couple would mean something else. I have homosexual friends, it doesn't change our friendship at all. I just thought it was an interesting phrase. A gay couple, which has probably changed in meaning over the course of a hundred years. The other clip, on topic, is from the John Legend song Green Light, about men hitting on women, perhaps by pretending to be a friend, offering to study together. It's a fun song to drive to, in Grand Theft Auto, doing my proverbial 300 kilometers an hour through New York and a stolen Lamborghini. It features Andre 3000 from Outcast. 3000 is often said to be vegan. He's won Peter's sexiest vegetarian awards before, although at other times he mentions sometimes eating fish and I've even heard the bizarre story that he likes to walk around with an actual tail from a wolf dangling from his pants. He said that he's vegan but he still likes to look good. I don't think having a dead animal's tail sticking out of your backside is a good look. Certainly not worth killing an animal over. He mentions an effect he has on women, comparing them favourably to a certain farm animal. I thought it was rather original. I'll let the clip play. It's nice to have music breaking up my tedious dronings. staring at me I told her let's go let's blow this lunch she said what kind of girl do you think that I are the kind that you meet in a bar you think you can get whatever you want cause you're some kind of star no I'm a comment I just want you woman hey if I were you it would be me that I go home with three the one and only one thing you ain't considered I heard you when you told your girl Ooh, we can get it admit it you did it 
Let's have a cab and split it. I'm kidding. We both going to where you living. <laughs> I got you giggling like a piglet. Oh, that's the ticket. I hope you're more like Anita Baker than Robert Gibbons. No, I don't know that lady, so let me quit it. I'm just style freeing. Freestyling, which I seldom do. This is what I'm telling you. To the bed, I'm telling you. Like I've been in jail for two years and then they let me in. Giggling like a piglet. Of all animals, I can really imagine piglets giggling. They just have that sort of face. I can't imagine cows actually giggling. Chickens have beaks, so giggling is right out of the question. But piglets, sure, why not? Giggling like a piglet. It may just be the first time someone has been compared to a pig in a nice way. As a single guy, I need all the pickup lines I can muster. I'll let you know how comparing a beautiful woman to a pig works for me. I have this story from my friend B, school farms teaching food origins. From school to the slaughterhouse. School farms are teaching children about the origins of their food and supplying tasty sausages. Almost all the animals, which also include cows and hens, are being raised for slaughter, with the end product sold to parents, students and anyone else who asks. It doesn't seem to faze the students one bit. You don't really get attached to them, says Pauline Maine, 16, one of several dozen students who spend at least three afternoons a week cleaning out the pens, re-bedding the pigs and hand-scrubbing them when they're to be shown at agricultural shows. When you join, you know where it all goes, adds Samantha Marshland, 16. Only one student I speak to admits to getting upset about seeing the animals head off to the abattoir. Charlotte Grace, 15, says... Sometimes you do get attached to the lambs, especially the orphans. But you get over it. They're not pets, they have to make their living. They have to make their living. What an awful thing to force into the minds of young adults. That animals are our property. That they are not allowed to have feelings for them. That they have to earn their keep. I suppose that line of thought holds true for dogs, right? We should be teaching pit bulls to tear apart poodles for a brain crowd. Hey! Dogs have to make a living, you know. They were bred to fight to the death. That makes it right. I have a Stephen Corbett audiobook, which mentions animals about not thinking about what you eat. And now, someone else who agrees with what I think. Cow number L73NR. A cow. I'd like to thank Stephen for the opportunity to put my two cents in here. To be honest, I was hesitant to commit my thoughts to this audiobook. The last thing I want to do is perpetuate the illusion that I actually have thoughts. Dinner doesn't think, and you shouldn't think about your dinner. Hey, want to hear a funny joke? Cattle prods. Guess you had to be there. It's just that I don't understand why, after offering me the opportunity to be processed into sirloin, Farmer Joe thinks he needs to twist my hoof. I'm in. What's that, honey? In a minute, Mommy's recording something for an audio book. That's right. B-O-O-K book. Good girl. Now run along and tell your sister it's time for bed. <laughs> Calves. You know, Mahatma Gandhi once said, the cow is a poem of compassion. But you know what I say? The cow's a rack of short ribs. Speaking of Gandhi, it's at times like these, approaching the mechanical separators, that I'm glad I'm a Hindu. Because I know I've lived a good life and will come back again and again until I escape the wheel of samsara. 
When I next return, I hope I'm a human. First thing I'm going to do is have a steak. I'm dying to know what all the fuss is about. You people sure seem eager to get it off my bones. Well, I should sign off before I get to the captive bolt stunner. Enjoy me. A story about cows in the New Zealand media at the moment is to do with mutant GE cows. Quote, When the calves were six months old, one died suddenly of a hemorrhage to a uterine artery, probably because of stretching and distortion caused by her deformed ovaries. Five days later, a second calf died after her ovary became twisted and separated from her uterus. The third calf with oversized ovaries was killed the same day, so scientists could study her tissue. Dr. Sooty said the root of the trouble was that the human FSH genes had affected the whole calf, and not the mammary glands only, as was intended, a problem that did not show up on trials on mice. This was not intended to happen, but bluntly, this is what research is all about. There will always be unforeseen problems when we do unnatural things to animals. I have no problem with genetic modification. Forget the science fiction staple of flying cars. Damn it, I want my damselfly wings already. We should never perform experiments on or harm animals in any way. A faint hope for human benefit doesn't matter to me. I'm sure a greater hope for human benefit would come from testing extreme treatments on other humans without their permission. But we would never do that, would we? Because it would be immoral. Other animal, quote, research in New Zealand is performed on cats and dogs. Safe have spoken out against this. We believe the beagles are used for toxicity testing, and some are killed so their tissue can be examined, says Safe Campaign Director Hans Creek. In New Zealand, over 300,000 animals are used in animal research each year. While Safe is opposed to all animal research, the petition focuses specifically on the use of cats and dogs in animal research. Cats and dogs have a special place in New Zealand society, as valued companion animals, and most New Zealanders would be horrified to find out that hundreds of cats and dogs are confined in small cages, and subjected to potentially cruel and lethal experiments in our nation's laboratories, says Hans. I've mentioned before being annoyed that I am the only one in my city who seems to oppose living cell technologies in their pig farms. These organs are bred because they are apparently free of disease, they live in a sterile environment before being killed while they are still babies, for a single organ. This organ is magically processed into a trademarked medicine, perhaps it's patented too. Perhaps the whole species of animal could be owned by the company. I don't remember ever hearing SAFE speak out about this particular group. I would really expect them to join me on this issue. I suppose it's because the media, and possibly the public, are so positive about this company that says it's providing many jobs in Southland where I live, as well as money in the economy. Perhaps SAFE finds it easier to protest about the use of cats and dogs, but I think Auckland Island pigs are just as special, just as deserving of the right not to be property. I'd like to end with a clip from a PETA podcast. I've long found it odd that PETA promote both animal welfare reforms and vegetarianism. In fact, in fact, I think they might actually be more well-known for promoting vegetarianism, at least in popular culture. Whenever I mention I'm vegan on online websites, I get harassed as obviously being a major PETA supporter. People seem to have PETA and vegan as being the same thing in their minds. They might mention how Ingrid Newkirk has said publicly about not owning pets. Meanwhile, 
Hans Creek from Safe never mentions, I am vegan. I don't believe in using any animal products during his media appearances to promote Happy Meat. I can't really think of any New Zealand groups that are similar. Safe do have some quit meat website, but it never gets promoted as far as I know. Certainly no American would hear the name Safe and think of the illustrious URL quitmeat.org.nz. Safe instead focus on asking for larger cages, or shorter time spent in cages for farmed animals, never vegetarianism. Hey, sometimes Peter even used the radical, difficult, hardcore V-word, vegan, which I find amazing. How can a group promote three things? Happy meat, vegetarianism, which includes some animal products, and veganism, which contains no animal products. I wish all these animal welfare groups would join us in promoting veganism as the moral baseline. It certainly is more straightforward, and it's what the animals deserve. The clip is from a PETA podcast, as I mentioned, with two PETA members taking on different roles talking about being vegetarian. They actually talk about happy meat animals as not being acceptable. I don't get it. This is the same PETA that grants awards to slaughterhouse designers, right? Gary Francione talks of moral schizophrenia, which I think is relevant here. Peter seemed to promote everything at the same time, even if each pitch contradicts another. I love the end of the clip, about some of the difficult, quote, dismissive comments that vegetarians and vegans get from other people. It's ludicrously soft. For promoting animal rights, I've been told I'm worse than Hitler, that I want animals to suffer. Why not shoot animals with a camera, rather than a shotgun? There's no need to kill any animals for meat when we can get all of the nutrients we need from a vegetarian diet. Okay, Alka, your turn. You folks from the city are worried about the chickens. What about the farmers? That's a good concern, but you know, most farms today are owned by enormous corporations, not families. And like other revolutions in industry, as the demand for vegetarian foods increases, corporations and farmers alike will switch over to plant-based agriculture. Many already have. Oh, so is it okay to eat meat from small family farms? And what about free-range chickens and eggs? They're okay, right? Well, unless you visit the farm yourself, it's impossible to know for sure what conditions the animals are raised under. Many animals on so-called organic and free-range farms endure the same conditions found on factory farms, and regardless of how they're raised, they all end up at the same slaughterhouses. Sometimes we hear dismissive comments such as this one, I like meat. (laughs) Yes, that sure was a dismissive comment. I like meat. The episode then goes on about how much the PETA members fondly remember milkshakes and fast food, how they didn't become vegetarian because they didn't like meat. They loved animal products. I certainly don't miss any animal product. I find them all absolutely repulsive now. I don't like to so much as touch leather. I don't want to swallow blood or drink milk. To mention that one or both of these PETA members do miss animal products makes all vegetarians or vegans out to be martyrs, as if we are all deliberately denying ourselves something we secretly desire, just to feel morally superior to everyone else. I absolutely find it easy to be vegan. I wouldn't want to be non-vegan, even if you paid me. Some things are even more important than the Apple iPad. Gee, I can't believe I just said that. For example... I had to wait until I got home from work until I could use my iPad. I had to register it through iTunes on my Mac. It was killing me, waiting to get home, waiting to have a functional iPad. And yet, I went into my backyard to say hello to my chicken friends first, to give them some bread. My little friends will live for a long time. 
There have been chickens before the iPad, there will be chickens after the iPad. In just a few years, this model will be junk. In a few years, I'll still love my chicken friends as much as I love them now. Some things are worth more than money, or material possessions. How could you put a price on life? How could you put a price on your friends? That is why I promote veganism as a moral baseline. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com. If you want to contact me, even just to say you've listened, send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com, or on Twitter, twitter.com slash j-a-y-w-o-n-t-d-a-r-t. I'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things, and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.